from him. Well, I'm going to say a bad word. So kids, cover your ears. Here's the bad word. Submission. To submit means to play. I know a lot of you were like, oh, that's a bummer. I thought he was really going to cuss or something. No. To submit means to place yourself under someone else's authority. Meaning what they say, you do. And in fact, here's the rub. What they say, you have to do. Because they are your authority. And so you submit to their authority. Why is submission a bad word? Because who the heck wants to submit? We're Americans, for crying out loud. We don't submit to anyone. We submit to ourselves. That's who we submit to. Someone else is going to know. No, we are the almighty, exalted emperors of our little kingdoms, of our little kingdoms of self. In other words, sin. Kids fight submission to parents. Not here, of course. Adults fight submission to bosses or clients or laws. Wives fight submission to husbands. Dogs fight submission to human beings who want to take them on a walk when it's 20 degrees at 6.30 this morning. Why? Because of sin. It's all sin. We fight submission. We fight these natural elements of authority because of sin and pride. Either our own prideful sin or, let's face it, the sin of someone who is wielding authority incorrectly over us. Yet God commands us to submit. Particularly in our passage today, he commands us to submit to the government. What? Do you even know who's president right now, Pastor Mike? <laughs> we live in the People's Republic of New Jersey. Have you seen our governor? You're calling us to submit to their legal agenda, their unbiblical worldview, their evil laws? Yes. In some ways, yes. What does biblical submission to the government look like in 2023 America? Paul's going to tell us all about that today. So Romans 13, we're going to find out together. Last week, we looked at a plethora of Paul's commands in the pursuit of the marks of the true Christian, keeping central the words of Christ. Christians will be known by their love. Therefore, from the passage last week, we learned that true Christians will love the church, they will love humbly, and they will even love our enemies, because ultimately, it means that true Christians love as Jesus loves. This week, Paul changes direction and stays with a specific topic, which I was very thankful for this week, the Christian and the government. Let's look again at just the first verse of Romans 13. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those who exist have been instituted by God. ESV softens up the language a bit in their translation, but this isn't a sub, uh, suggestion here. This is a command. Not only it's a command, but it's a continuous command. Therefore, it has the feel of everyone, be submitting yourselves continuously to the governmental authorities. The language here is, Subject, of course, specific to Paul's context in the local authorities, but in our context, it refers to submitting to our government authorities. I can already feel some of you getting tense. Deep breath, okay? It's me. It's your friend, Pastor Mike. We will get through this together. We will unpack this together. Make a promise to me. Don't get too excited until we get through this, okay? Okay. Paul continues and explains why this must be. 
He says, for because all authority, all authority, full stop, is from God. And particularly, the governmental authority is from God. They are established, they are appointed, they are instituted by God himself. Okay, if you've been around Highlands for more than five minutes, you know that we are really big on God's sovereignty here. God's sovereignty, to define terms, means God's unlimited and total control over every single thing in the universe, his creation. From the ant that crawls across the sidewalk to the timing, the changing of the seasons, to the path of every single human being, to the timing of the end of the world and the return of Christ, everything is under God's sovereignty. He has to be 100% sovereign or he is not God. He can't be 90% sovereign. He can't be 50% sovereign. He has to be 100% sovereign. And so, yes, as we saw in chapters 9 through 11, that includes sovereignty over salvation. And as we see here, that includes sovereignty over government officials and governments and powers. Look with verse 2 at me, or with me. Therefore, whoever resists these authorities that God has set up in his sovereignty resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. And therefore, okay, big therefore, because of the commands and the truth of God's sovereignty in verse 1, whoever resists these earthly governmental authorities resists what God has appointed, and it generally doesn't go well to resist God. God is very aware of those who resist him. That's what God's judgment is going to be about. It's going to be for those who resist God, those who reject God, those who then put themselves as king. So if we unpack this, the government has derivative authority, not original authority, meaning the authority flows from top down, right? It flows from God, and then God, it flows to the government. And so every legit authority that exists has been granted that authority by God. And so if you resist that authority, ergo, you're resisting the one who's established that authority, which is God himself. And so here's the first point. We are commanded to submit to the authorities that God has established. We are commanded to submit to the authorities that God has established. If you know your Bibles, you know this isn't the only place that God talks about this in his word. Titus 3.1 says, be submissive to rulers and authorities. Be obedient and ready for every good work. First Peter gives us an extended admonition. If we look at First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put, put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. In the book of Daniel, we see that God is the one who changes times and seasons, who removes kings and sets up kings. I can feel again the but what if the government is evil? We will get to that. We have to establish our foundation first, right? We can't have the rule defined by the exceptions. 
We've got to establish the foundation first. This is the foundational truth, okay? God's the one in authority. God's the one that's sovereign. And God establishes authorities on earth in the government. And as a general perspective, we are to obey them. We are to submit to them. That's the foundation that we have to start with, okay? This side of eternity, we will never have a perfect government. But we have to remember the foundation that God's setting up in his word, okay? So three things here by way of application. First, submission is for everyone. Second, submission is to all legit authorities. And third, submission comes with a warning. So first, submission is for everyone. Paul says, let every person, or literally in the Greek, every soul be submitting to the government authorities. So a sovereign citizen is not a thing. If you, you are someone who just rejects the authority of all government over you, that is unbiblical. That is not a thing. We are called to submit. Every single person on earth has an authority to submit to. Our word, again, submit, means to be subject to, to be placed under, to be subordinate. And in this sense, it means to subject oneself voluntarily. So we either voluntarily submit to obey the government, all of us, we follow the traffic laws. We follow the tax laws when we run our businesses. Contractors follow business or building codes. We are a 501c3, so we follow those rules and regulations. We report crime when we see it. I'll say one thing. To be submissive does not mean that we are passive. Okay? To be submissive does not mean that we are passive. Submission doesn't mean we turn off our brains and blindly follow everything. If there's an unjust law or policy, we speak up about it. Depending on what we're talking about by an unjust law, we might even be justified in not following that law. But we'll talk about that soon. So first, submission's for everyone. Second, submission is to all legit authorities. Again, our government has derivative authority given by God. If a government representative is legit and they have authority in whatever sphere and they're asking you to do something in whatever element or other aspect they are telling you to, then we submit to them. We cannot set ourselves up as an authority and demand that people do things, right? I, as a dad, can't go to any teenager, order them to come to my house to take out my trash or empty my dishwasher as sweet as that might be. I can't just pull over a car in front of me who has difficulty finding their accelerator pedal on Route 515, as delightful and satisfying as that may be. You can't just go out on your own and establish yourself as an authority. Authority is derivative from God. Commentator Dalma, in his commentary on the Ten Commandments, puts it this way. The phrase, by God, must be understood to mean under God. God provides the state a place in his order. The state functions within the limits that God has ordained. The entire arena of politics, always and everywhere, exists under God. That's what we have to remember. The government is not a sphere unto itself apart from God's authority. It doesn't operate independently. It operates under God's authority. That's what we read here in Romans 13. So submission is for everyone, is to all legit authorities, and third, submission comes with a warning. If you fail to submit to legit authority, not only will you be guilty of breaking those laws, you'll be guilty of sin before God. 
If I choose not to pay my taxes, I'll be in a lot of trouble with the IRS and I will have to ask God for forgiveness. I can't just ignore traffic laws without consequences. We know these things. So we are commanded to submit to the authorities that God has established. Why? Paul goes on. Look at verse 3 of Romans 13. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And so Paul writes, for or because rulers, therefore, are not a fear or terror to those who are doing good, but they are designed to be a fear or a terror for those who are doing evil. Now, why does God establish earthly governmental authorities? Well, one of the main reasons is right here. Government authorities are supposed to protect innocent people from evil people. We have to stop right there and realize that our biblical worldview accounts for the presence of evil. There is actual evil in this world, alive and well. However, the vast majority of us, squishy, comfortable Americans, right, will hardly come in contact with evil face-to-face. Why? Because it is protected from us by men and women with guns who don't bear the sword in vain. Rarely will we come across direct evil. We see it in the news, we read about it, we hear about it, but in America... We're not regularly exposed to evil in our faces. Instead, we see it on the news and we go, what's wrong with this world? What's wrong with this world is evil. It's alive and well. We don't see it a lot, but it's there. Until evil invades our otherwise comfortable lives, it's mostly out of sight and out of mind. Evil, of course, stems from sin. It breaks into our worldview, but largely it's kept at bay by those who bear the sword. This is why we have the utter craziness of the liberal mind that has no account for evil in their worldview. Little to no account. Everyone is basically good, and we just need to give them a chance. Not true. Not everyone. God's Word says that there is evil. And that's partly why authority exists, to hold them in restraint. He asks them a question and answers it. Do you want to stay away from trouble with the government? Well, then do what is good. And you'll have nothing to worry about. We told the kids when they started driving, if you ever get pulled over, just keep your hands where they can see them and do whatever they tell you to do. If you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to fear. Okay? Yes, there are bad cops. But again, we don't define the rule from the exception. Respect authority. Do whatever they tell you to do. They put handcuffs on you, they can take them off. Right? Do not give them any reason. Do what they tell you to do. It's all part of God's design. Verse 4 tells us that the government authorities, again, as derivative or deputized authorities from God, are the servants of God. He says they're God's servants. He says that twice. Authorities are God's servants for God's will. The word here is our word for deacon. Think of that. Our government authorities are God's deacons for doing God's will meaning his law, what is good and God-honoring. Now, this is the way that it is supposed to be. God's servants, the government, doing what they've been assigned by God to do. 
which is God's law. And so Paul says, if you're, if you're doing good, then therefore you have nothing to fear from authorities. But if you want to mess around and break God's law and break uh, civil law, you should fear because he doesn't carry the Glock 19 in vain or the AR or the sword or whatever it is. That's the symbol behind authority. They can and will, and they're duly sworn to protect innocent people from evil people intent on doing harm. They will use the sword if they have to. And so there are those in this world who are actually intent on doing harm to innocent people. We see this on the news. We see it in major cities. Violent crime is spiking. As Jesus said in Matthew 26, those who live by the sword will die by the sword, sometimes at the hand of our government authorities. And that's the God-ordained response to evil, to protect innocent people. That's God's design. He gives authority for the suppression of evil and therefore the stability of society. So second point is this. We are commanded to submit to the authorities to promote the stability of our society. This is supposed to promote the stability of our society. What is the biblical reality of God's design for government and authority? Therefore, they're God's servants. They're supposed to be doing God's will for society. Authorities are not an authority unto themselves. They aren't supposed to be out for their own glory, but rather to glorify God. Calvin put it this way, magistrates may hence learn what their vocation is, which is a funny way of saying, listen up. For they are not to rule for their own interest, but for the public good. Nor are they endued with unbridled power, but what is restricted to the well-being of their subjects. In short, they are responsible to God and to men for their exercise of power. Did you catch that last part? As God's servants, Calvin's exactly right. I'm sure he'd appreciate me saying that. They are responsible ultimately to God, and they will give an answer to God for how they served him, whether they know it or not. Whether they signed up for that or not. That's how God set it up. So they will give an answer. Anyone in position of authority will give an account to God and be judged by God for how they served him with their authority. And so I say publicly, woe to our president of the United States. Woe to our governor and to his people for the evil, godless laws which they put forth in our nation and state. You, sirs, will stand before God one day and you will give an account. And should you not repent, you will be judged severely. You need to be warning them. We need to be warning them of impending judgment and working to abolish and change evil laws. We have to balance the outrage that we feel at the misuse of God's authority that our government engages in. Promoting and celebrating the slaughter of millions of innocent human lives in abortion and calling it health care. Enabling genital mutilation of minors in reassignment surgeries. Usurping the rightful authority of parents to raise their kids and replacing it with the authority of themselves. Shameless greed and waste of money to line their own pockets. Government is supposed to be a derivative authority to enforce God's law. They're God's deacons, not their own satanic ideas. 
They're supposed to create an orderly society, watch this, where the church, where we can flourish then. Under the banner of their authority and their protection, guess what? That's how God wants it to work. We then flourish. Calvin again. Hence, in Scripture, holy kings are especially praised for restoring the worship of God when corrupted or overthrown, and for taking care that religion flourished under, their, under them in purity and safety. Our own doctrinal statement says it this way. We believe that the local church is established by God and is an autonomous, independent, and self-governing outpost of the kingdom of God on earth. The church is led by biblically qualified elders, answerable ultimately to Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. And therefore, the church is to operate free from government influence and control in pursuit of the mission to bring glory to God by the making and maturing of disciples of Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, we are called to honor the government unless they are causing us to disobey the word of God. God says, do not murder. So police arrest murderers. God says, do not commit adultery and respect God's design for sex. So the courts prosecute sex offenders and rapists. God's law says, do not give false witness. So we condemn those who lie and slander others. God says, do not steal, so thieves and cheats are put in jail. God cares about human life, so there are traffic laws to keep us safe from driving. There are building codes to keep our homes safe. There are food laws to keep the food safe that we buy in the restaurants. The government is God's deacon for upholding the stability of society according to God's law. And if they do not do that, they will be judged by God. As long as they uphold God's law, guess what? We submit. We submit. And we, re- we submit joyfully and respectfully and we give them honor. But that's not always the case in 2023 America, is it? There are times, church, when we will be, not Maybe. I think we passed maybe. There are times when we will be called to disobey what the government is telling us to do for one and only one reason, because it goes against what God has told us in his law. And we've got to know that. If it comes between the government and us, God wins. Scripture has many examples of this. In the book of Daniel, I read before just one verse, but the story, of course, King Darius passed a new law at the evil council of all his cabinet there that said, guess what? Nobody can pray to anyone except King Darius because they said, we've got to get rid of this guy, Daniel, and the only thing that we can find against Daniel is with regard to his God. And so they tried to then say, guess what, King Darius, almighty and exalted, most excellent King Darius, nobody can pray to anybody but you. Sound good? Sound good? Sign here. So he did. And what does Daniel do? Immediately goes, opens the windows. Oh, what a, mm, love that move. Opens the windows and prays, just like he always did. He defied the law of the government because why? I'm not going to pray to you, Darius. I'm going to pray to my God. That's who I'm going to pray to. In the book of Joshua, we see Rahab lying to protect the Jewish spies from their enemies in Canaan. We see Jesus disobeying the unbiblical laws of the Pharisees and the scribes calling them bags of snakes who were misusing their authority. And perhaps most famously, in the book of Acts, 
We see the disciples in the early church disobeying local authorities who forbade them preaching of the gospel. Acts 4 tells us how this went down. Acts 4, they were before the council. They got in trouble the first time, and they said, don't preach the name of Jesus anymore. And they were like, cool story, bro. They go right back out. Starting in Acts 4, 18, let's see how this happens. They called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, saying this, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But we cannot but help, but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. It is increasingly likely, church, that we will all one day have to make the hard decision to obey God rather than men. And we're going to have to let the chips fall where they may. The speaker on the men's retreat, one of the things that he kept saying was, do what God requires and let God sort it out. Just follow God. Just do what God tells you to do and let God worry about everything else. We will have to be called. In, in care group last week, someone was sharing about, as a, a, a small business owner, ridiculous laws that were saying that you have to now give diversity, equity, and inclusion training to all your employees, though it's completely unbiblical and sinful. What do we do? You see, the government overreaching with its authority in the sphere of the church as evidenced in the ridiculous lockdowns, saying that the churches were not allowed to meet for worship. We played the game for a little while, and then we said, this, this is no, this is not happening here. We're not doing this. And we opened the church. Is there a time to rebel against a government because they've been so corrupt with tyranny and set themselves up against God? We're not there yet. We're not there yet. So please don't hear me to say we need to replace the current government with some new Christian nationalistic government. That's not what we're talking about here. Let's, let's, let's remember, what are we doing right now? We're meeting in public. We're preaching the word. We're free to do that. There's nobody banging at our door. The police love us here. It's really good. Okay? Let's remember. Let's not go too far. But we have to remember this is also grounded in historic Orthodox Christianity. The confessions and catechisms have much to say about the government, whereas they called them the civil magistrates. Westminster in chapter 23 says this, God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, hath ordained civil magistrates to be under him, over the people, for his glory and the public good. And to do this, he has armed them with the power of the sword for defense and encouragement of them that are good and the punishment of evildoers. But it goes on to say this, civil magistrates may not assume to themselves the administration of the word and the sacraments or the power of the keys of the kingdom of heaven or in the least interfere with the matters of the faith. Government's authority stops right at that door as far as what we do in the worship of the preaching of God's word and the sacraments. And you know what? Our government at large especially, of course, what we see in our liberal elite, they will face God one day for their unbiblical and evil policies, for failure to do what they've been called to do by God. This is why we've got to remember from last week the warnings, right? Last week's passage, what did it say? Leave room for the wrath of God. 
We've got to leave room for the wrath of God. Sure, we speak up. Sure, we get involved. Sure, we warn people. We call people to repentance. And we warn them of impending judgment. But it's not our job to take the Lord's revenge on our government for their failure to do what they've been called to do. Paul reminded us last week, leave room for the wrath of God. God's the one that establishes the authority, so God's the one that will call them to account. We have to speak truth, but it's not ours to take the revenge. If anything, church, we need more Christians to get involved. We need more Christians to get involved in government and local government to know what's going on and to speak a voice of sanity into this clown world of ours that we have right now. God established authority as his servant to restrain evil and thus promote the stability of our society. And as long as they do that, we joyfully submit and honor them. This is our command from God, and we're called to be in submission to this command from God. And Paul wraps things up by some practical implications. Look back in Romans 13 and Verse 5, having difficulty finding Romans 13. Okay. It says this, Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities and ministers of God. <clears throat> Attending to this very thing, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, Revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. So first, therefore, he says, we must be in subjection to the authorities. Why? Not only to avoid God's wrath, but secondly, for the sake of our conscience. God's wrath for failure to submit to the authorities in legit laws, that's been made clear. That's, that's, that's on them, Right? But also, we need to remember our own conscience. Conscience is critically important. So if we refuse to obey the government on legit laws, we are wounding and hardening our conscience, just like any sin would do. The conscience is, as one author defined it, our consciousness of what we believe is right and wrong. Conscience is our consciousness of what we believe is right and wrong. And as Christians, our beliefs of right and wrong, right, are shaped here. This is what needs to inform our conscience. And as Christians, we also need to be keeping our conscience clear at all times. Our conscience is, hopefully, the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives and what we should and should not be doing. We all know when we do something wrong. We feel it. We feel it in our hearts. That's the voice of our conscience. Therefore... Paul puts the pieces together. If we're refusing to submit to God's authority in laws that are in compliance to God's law, we're sinning against our conscience, and we know it. Do not wound your conscience in this way. Acts 24.16 says, So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. Hebrews tells us, Pray for us that we are sure to have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. Not only that, Paul reminds us that the authorities are the ministers of God, a different word here other than servants, but still they're God's ministers. Twice he calls them servants, and once he calls them ministers. They have been established by God 
and they need to continue to do what they've been called to do. This is why we pay taxes. Jesus himself in the gospel said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God's what is God's. Yes, some tax laws, most tax laws, probably all tax laws are rather insane and intrusive and unfair. But see my previous comments about getting involved and speaking up, being informed in your local government, making our voice and our biblical worldview heard. So yes, we are called to pay taxes. That is the practical function of the government authority. They provide benefit for us in doing so. And so third point, we are commanded to submit to the authorities for our own good. We are commanded to submit to the authorities for our own good. There are two main aspects as to why submission to the government authorities is a good thing. Spiritually and practically. First, spiritually. If the government is asking us to do something and we have no biblical reason to not do it, what are we doing then? We're sinning. That's on us. And that wounds our conscience. So spiritually, that's deadly for a Christian in any sin. If we continue to press on in a sin and ignore God's conscience, the Holy Spirit inside us, right? that's bad for us as Christians. We don't want to do that. We need to be listening to the voice of our conscience that's hopefully calibrated by the Holy Spirit. And so a clean conscience is for our good, and we need to be pursuing that. Likewise, here's how, Romans 12, 2, last week, we have a conscience that is renewed by the Spirit of God. Our minds are renewed. Guess what? We will be able to spot a law that the government tries to put forth that is in contrast to this. We will be razor sharp in order to do that. And we will make the right decision, not necessarily an emotional decision. We'll have a biblically informed conscience. Second, submitting to the authorities is practically good for us. We have to realize that. We call 911, somebody answers the phone. That's because we pay taxes, right? When it snows, which it seems like it's going to snow any second, when it snows, we have plows that come and plow our roads eventually, right? Some of us not so much. (laughs) Police patrol our towns every day, all day, 24 hours a day. Fire departments respond to put out fires. EMS comes to help us with the medical emergencies. Those things are for our good. But notice how Paul expands this concept in verse 7, that anyone who is owed honor is owed, or, or anyone who is owed, we pay them what is due them. Christians should be ready to give them their due. But we pay whatever taxes are due. We don't think of ways to ditch income. We don't try to skip out on paying revenue to those who owe it. We pay our restaurant bills. We pay our highway tolls. We don't try and cheat Netflix by using someone else's login. Yeah, I went there. We give respect. They're cracking down on us anyway. (laughs) We just might as well do it and pay up, you know? We shouldn't be, when we come in contract with authorities, we get pulled over. We shouldn't be this guy. What's your name and Baz number? Don't be that guy. Give them respect where respect is due. We shouldn't be the one who's continually at odds with local and federal laws. We should start with a we should start there. Start with a position of respect and honor like we're called to. Even when we disagree, we should do it with honor and respect. Because we aren't so much honoring and respecting them, but the one who established them 
We're honoring and respecting God. And that's why it all comes back to him. This isn't about us. This is about God. Heads up, note takers, you're going to hate me. I did change the bulletin online, but I am am changing the big idea. The first one was way too wide open. First one said, submitting to the authorities glorifies God, which is true. But here's why. I'll tell you why I don't like that. I'll tell you why I don't like that anymore. Because we don't have any qualification in that. And I think that's what contributed to the church being caught with our pants down when COVID rolled around. Yes, we're supposed to be submitting to the authorities, okay? But, but maybe allow me to revise the big idea to this. We have to tweak that a little bit. A God-focused submission glorifies God. A God-focused submission glorifies God. Why are we submitting? We're submitting to honor God. Well, will this submission, blank, blank, honor God? Yes. Then we submit. If it doesn't, then we don't. Submission to the government isn't about us. It's not our personal war with all the policies, and there are many of them, that we disagree with. Paul makes it clear. Submission's about honoring God. So God must be, so submission then must be God-focused. We're commanded to submit to the authorities that God has established. Submission certainly isn't about the government either, just them. They don't exist for their own power, no matter how many times it seems like it. We are commanded to submit to the authorities to promote the stability of our society, and that allows what? The growth and ministry of the church, hopefully. A God-focused submission is for our own good. We seek to maintain a biblically informed conscience and keep it clean. And therefore, we're able to know how and when to submit to authorities. Guys, this is all about God. Honoring God, obeying God, not resisting what he's set up. Paul says that we submit to the authorities that God has established. The authorities are God's deacons for his glory. They're ministers of God, not us. We must resist a self-focused submission. We must resist even a government-focused submission. We must cultivate a God-focused submission. So why would I submit? Well, because God established the authority. When would I not submit? When it goes against what God has established as his authority in his law. So when we submit, we do it to honor God. When our conscience does not allow us to submit because it goes against God's word, guess what? We do it, same reason, to honor God. In fact, it's bigger than honoring God. It's about fearing God. Paul doesn't say it here, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Peter says it elsewhere. I'll draw you back to 1 Peter 2 as we close. Look what 1 Peter 2.17 says. What a great way to, to end this. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Do you see those differences there? We want to honor everyone. We want to love the brotherhood. We don't want to fear the emperor. We want to fear one and only one person, and that's God. We want to fear God. And so everything that we do, from submission to not submission, to how we live our lives, is in fear and honoring of God. So a God-focused submission 
glorifies God. God is in a different category. We fear only God, not in terror, but in the highest reverence. And so when we look at submitting to the authorities, we do so through the lens of fearing and honoring God first. And a God-focused submission glorifies God. Lord, this is a difficult subject for us, especially in the world that we live in. Lord, we see the policies that come out of our nation's capital. We see the things that are supported in our state government and even in our local government. And we shake our head because they're in such opposition to your worldview, to your word, to your law. And Lord, help us to sort that out with a clean conscience, a biblically informed conscience, one that is sifted through your law and guided by your spirit. Help us to know, give us the greatest discernment to know when we submit, we honor you. And if we are called to not submit to a law that is in opposition to your law, that we do so with boldness and clarity, and we do so for the same reason, to honor you. Help us, Lord, to cultivate a God-focused worldview in all things, but especially in submitting to our authorities. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.